Well, amen. What if Jesus returns today? That's the question before us today. What if Jesus returns today? Find Revelation chapter 16. We're going to dive into our series. This is our third sermon in our series, What If? We're looking at the promises, exploring the promises and the possibilities in the Bible. And so today we're talking about what if Jesus returned today. We welcome our guests today. Thank you. I've met several of you folks that are visiting with us, worshiping. You're our guest, and thank you. There's a gift for you as you leave. Please pick that candle up, and please take time to fill out our Connect card. This helps us learn your name. They're in the pews there, and you can put in our worship boxes there at the door. Also, if you have a, a, a tithe or a, an offering, you can place those in the worship boxes as well. So thank you. What a wonderful group. We had a wonderful group at 830 today. I met some new people there and so thankful. And just, I, I, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but last week, Easter, we had a lot of guests. And you guys were so good about just scooting in the middle and letting the folks have room to sit and all of our guests. So thank you for being uh, so welcoming to our people that came to be with us last Sunday. So thank you for that. I want to thank those who worked yesterday on putting a ramp up at Joe and Laura's. I'm thankful to be pastor of a church. Uh, Patrick and I are thankful to pastor a church where you have a servant's heart. Uh, you're out serving. You're out making a difference. And thank you for doing that. There's, you're serving places that go unnoticed. You're, you're serving and we don't even know about it, but you're serving. You're serving the Lord. And that's that's what the people of God is to be doing, is to serve our community, to show the love of Christ. And so one of the ways is Saturday, I'm wearing this car show shirt, uh, so I won't have to dress up today, but also to advertise. Uh, next, this coming Saturday is our car show, Rally at the Ridge. This is our sixth year. This replaced the fireworks we used to do. We did for 15 years, and now we've been doing a car show. People, there'll be hundreds of people on our campus you can bring your vehicle or you can come help serve. You can come just meet the people. You can come help with registration, help with food. Everything's free and we invite the community to come. It's safe and it's family friendly and we're going to show them the love of Christ. And so that's a great way for you to serve as well. And then next Sunday, if you show up here next Sunday, you're going to think the rapture's happened because nobody will be here. Okay. There'll be nothing on our campus next Sunday. We're going to be at Law Run Park. You can Google where that's at. We're all the way in the back of the park. You can park at the boat ramp, and Jeff will be driving the church bus, taking you up to where we're worshiping. Or you can park where we worship and then drive down to the boat ramp for our river baptism. We'll meet there at 1030. Bring your lawn chair. Bring your dog if you want to we'll bring gus and so we're going to worship in creation and god's creation at 10 30 we'll be sitting in lawn chairs having worship and then the deacons are going to feed us hamburgers after our worship and then we'll go down to the boat ramp and we've got several to baptize it'll be a great day i hope all of our guests hope you'll come be with us it's just a i love worship in the park we'll do this again august the 7th it's just a great time for us to gather together you get to see people that's at 8 30 that you haven't got to see in a while, you get to see them. And so I'm so thankful, looking forward to that next week. All right. We welcome those who are joining us online. Say hi to my mom. I know she's watching, so I'll say hi to her. Revelation 16, verse 15. Let's dig into God's word and talk about what if Jesus returned today? F.B. Meyer once asked D.L. Moody, he says, what is the secret of your success? And Moody said, 
For many years I have never given an address or preached a message without the consciousness that the Lord may come before I have finished. What if Jesus returned before we finished this service? What if he came this moment? What if Jesus returned today? Look there in verse 15. One verse we'll read in chapter 16 of Revelation. We study chapter 16 on Wednesday night. We'll be in chapter 17 of Revelation this coming Wednesday at 630. If you're welcome to join us, we'd love to have you. The youth have worship. We have kids on mission. It's just a great time on Wednesday. But look at verse 15. Behold, I, that's Jesus, I am, that wonderful phrase there, I am. Behold, I am coming as a thief. We'll hear that again this morning as we read God's word. But he says that several times in scripture, I'm coming as a thief. If we knew when the thief was coming, the Bible says, we would, we would be prepared. We'd be looking for him. Jesus says, I'm coming as a thief. In your bulletin, there's a passage in Matthew 24. And I'm so thankful for Patrick helping design our bulletins and Aaron doing a great job with our new bulletins. It says there in, in your bulletin, Matthew 24, 14, therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so we need to recognize he's coming as a thief. We need to be ready. Then he goes on to say, blessed is he who watches. Young people, when God's word says blessed, when God says you're going to be blessed if you do this, it, you need to pay attention. He says, blessed are you if you're watching. He told us when we started studying Revelation, blessed are you to read the book of Revelation. You're blessed to, to read it and to listen to it and to obey it. And so he says here, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Let's pray. Lord, we were reminded as we sang, we were reminded as we studied your word in Sunday school and at the early service, we're reminded as we give, as we pray, even in the videos, we were reminded that you are faithful God and that this is your day that's been set aside for us to worship you. Thank you for sending new families to worship with us today. It is an honor, Lord, that you are at work. You are working in your people, inviting others to come. And we are so thankful that we get to welcome them here today. Lord, I pray that they will feel your love and they will hear your word. May you speak in all of our lives today. We are listening. We are listening. If there's any here or listening online who does not know you, I pray your Holy Spirit would draw them to you today and they would be saved Pray for us as your followers, your believers, Lord, that you will speak into our life. And we will, we will heed the question today, what if you return today? What type of people should we be? What should we change? What should we stop doing? What should we start doing? What should we repent of? What should we commit to? Take this time and use it. Lord, I, like Paul, I stand here in weakness in fear and in trembling. But I pray that you would take this old earthen, this old vessel made of clay and you would take it to demonstrate your power today. That the power of the Holy Spirit would go forth, would convict, 
would comfort, would do a work that only you can do, a transformation, a spiritual happening, a working in our life. Lord, work among us this day. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, whose return we are expectantly looking for. Amen. Well, let's talk for a little bit about the return of Jesus. We, we've been doing some sign language. If you're a guest today, we, we've been doing a different word every day. We didn't do one on Easter just because there was a lot of things going on. And so the two that we're going to focus on throughout the year, our theme is we are family. So this is family. If you're new today, this is the sign language for family. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we will gather around the family table down here in the rock. Everybody will just bring a covered dish. We'll sit around tables and we'll have fellowship together because we're family. So you're a guest. You're welcome to join us tonight. It's a great way to meet people. So we're family. One of the other words we talked about is the word together. We, we believe together. We belong together. And we're better together. We, we accomplish more together. And so today we're thinking of heaven. We're thinking about Jesus returning and taking us to heaven. And so Nancy, I text her and I said, show me how to do heaven. And so you put your hands like this, like you're reading a book. And then we're going to go out and go like you're flying. Okay. So that's, that's her favorite one for heaven. There's different ones, but this is the one. So you're just, you're doing heaven. Okay. So today we're thinking about the return of Christ and about us being together in heaven. The first thing we need to recognize in our theme is exploring the promises of God. What if? These are the promises of God. He made a promise in Scripture. Jesus made a promise that he's going to return. He made that promise. And God is faithful. He cannot lie. He always keeps his promises. John 14, he says, If I go away and prepare you a place, I will... What does he say? Come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So he said, I'm going to come again. In Acts chapter 1, as he ascended to heaven, as he ascended to the Father, there were some angels there that said to his disciples, hey, why are you standing gazing up into heaven? He, they say, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven so, shall so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's going to come again. And so there is a promise, a certainty that he is coming again. So if he's coming again, what if he returned today? What if it was April 24th, 2022, when Jesus in his sovereignty chose that this is the day I'm to return? What if it happened today? I want to talk about six results very quickly and then five responses we should have if Jesus was to return today. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You're going to find that in the New Testament. It's more toward the back of the book. Back of the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So proud of our Bible drillers. One of them was at the early service. And I just want to say to our Bible drillers, you guys were awesome Wednesday. You, you know in all the books of the Bible, all memorizing all those verses. Man, you guys were awesome. And we're so proud of our Bible drillers. Chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. Now, I'm pretty simple-minded. I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not. And I know I'm not. And that makes me smart to know I'm not. And so I have to put things in a way that I can understand them. And so I'm going to show you kind of the timetable that we use when we think of 
eschatology. That's the big word that means study of last things, study of the end times. And so for me, I have to give me some visual to help me understand. So we're getting ready to read in 1 Thessalonians about this event right here. We're right here. We're in what's called the church age. This is a season of grace. This is a season where God says to us, whosoever will shall come. Whoever believes on Jesus will be saved. This is a time of grace. This is a time when the invitation extended. Come and be saved. Come and be forgiven. We're in the age of the, the church. Right here, this is what we call the rapture. We're teaching from a pre-trib eschatology. We're preaching understanding scripture the best that we can is that the rapture is going to take place. That's what we're getting ready to read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's when Jesus, we're going to read about it with a shout, with a trumpet, calls home his bride. That's when the, the resurrection, those who have died in Christ are going to be resurrected. That's that moment right here. So after the, the rapture, in this time frame is the seven years of tribulation. That's what we're in in Revelation on Wednesday night. This is the seven years. This is a season of judgment. God judging the world. Can you still be saved during that time? Yes, but it will be much difficult in the season of judgment than it is in the season of grace. Now is the day of salvation. Can you say amen, church? Amen. Now is the time. During this seven years, it will be the tribulation, the great suffering time. At the end of those seven years is what we call the second coming of Christ. That's when he comes, plants his feet on this earth, and he sets everything right. And then we have a thousand years. He sets up his throne. We have this time of a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, that's when Satan is loose for a moment, and then he's cast in forever into that bottomless pit. And then after this is eternity. So I'm going to be preaching from eternity today, all right? Right here understanding about here's what we're talking about and so the next event to understand is the rapture so let's read about it look in chapter 4 verse 13 through 18 so we're in the church age season of grace the next event is the rapture and here's what he says about it he says but i do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope those who have died in christ we there are some who believe in soul sleep and that's okay we're going to see there's people here today, you have a different eschatology. There are mid-trib, there are post-trib, there's, there's different understandings about the second coming. And that's okay. We can agree that we can disagree about some of those things. Here's what we have to agree on. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Can you say amen to that? We can, we can, we can talk about different views. We can talk about soul sleep or not soul sleep. We don't teach soul sleep. We believe he's talking here that the body has been laid to rest. Those who have died, we believe to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. I believe in my dad's with Jesus. I don't think he's in Sulphur Springs Cemetery. His body's there. His tent's there. But I don't believe he's there. But if you believe that, that's okay. That's okay. That's not one at the hill we have to, to die on about. That's okay. But here we see he says those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, we don't have to sorrow as the world, we have hope. I was telling the early service, one of the hardest things in ministry was when I, I was in North Carolina, came friends with the funeral home folks there in rural hall. And whenever somebody died who didn't have a preacher, they would call me, Pastor John, would you come do the, come do the service? And so 
I did several gravesides of people I'd never met in my life. It's really hard to do. Uh, it's, it's really hard, especially when there's no evidence that they were a believer. I would say to our preachers here today, if you do a, a, a graveside, a funeral of somebody, you don't know whether they're a believer or not, it's not your job to preach them into heaven, okay? Your job is to offer hope to those who are still living. Your job is to say, here's what Jesus says. Jesus can change your life. You need to recognize that he died for you, rose again, and you can be saved. And so it's hard for people who have no hope when their loved ones die, but that's not us. When our loved ones die who know Jesus... We have hope, hope it's sure and steadfast that they're with the Lord. And so he says, we don't have to sorrow with no hope. It's okay to sorrow, but we have hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we talked about that last week. We believe that Jesus rose again. We believe that he died for our sins. We believe that and it's changed our lives. So even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. There's the understanding he's going to bring with him uh, those that's gone on to be with the Lord who knew Jesus, he's bringing with him those who slept, who died in Jesus. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. This is the God's authority that we who are alive, that's us, and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. We're not going to stop those from being resurrected. Okay. And so that's us. If Jesus returned today, this is us who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Our loved ones, old bodies will be come out of that grave and they'll be transformed. It says, in the twinkling of eye, we'll be changed. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. There's the word rapture. We get the word rapture, caught up, caught up. And so the next event, what if the Lord returned today? What if the rapture was to happen this moment? What if Jesus returned I want to think about, I want us to talk about six results if Jesus returned today and think about what that would mean to us. The first thing is this, there'll be no more suffering and there'll be no more sorrow. Revelation 21, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. I want to read you off our prayer list. Dorothy Wolf's in the hospital, close to death. She'll be going home. If she hasn't already, she'll be, she's close to passing over. Jane Flannery is getting close to going home. Those are sisters. Bill Cordell, he's in the ICU in Johnson City. You pray for Bill. Joe Hurd, been in the hospital. So thankful God is healing him. Gail's husband, Daryl, recovering from some surgery. And then we have these families who've had deaths. Phyllis Cardwell, she would come to our Wednesday night service. She passed away and went on to be at the Lord. Joy Jones's brother passed away. Ruth Case Boat's sister passed away. We have these folks who understand on this side sorrow. Remember Barbara Forbes, that's Val's mom. Uh, she got a temperature just found out a few minutes ago. And, and so they're going to have to make some decisions with Barbara. 
Evelyn Dean, that's David's mom. Remember Beth's mom recovering from surgery. Gary Jasper going through treatments. Mike recovering from procedure. Isabel, Caleb, Zach. Luann mentioned her brother Bill. We'll pray for him. And John Parrott. When I think of the return of Jesus, when Jesus returns, there'll be no more suffering and no more sorrow. Can you say amen to that? I visited four hospitals this week. The VA, John City Medical Center, Indian Path, and Holston Valley. We got three that's had deaths. I'm looking forward to that day when there's no more suffering and there's no more sorrow. What if Jesus returns today? Hey, we don't have any more pain. and We don't have any more sorrow. We don't have any more suffering. Second of all, there'll be no more sin. And there'll be no more Satan. The battle will be over. Every day it's a battle for us who are believers, whether we obey the spirit or we give in to the old flesh. One of these days when Jesus returns, the battle's over. We'll have final victory over sin. We'll have final victory over Satan. We struggle battle daily, doing, not doing what we should and, and doing the things that I don't want to do. And I struggle with this old sinful nature that I inherited from Adam. But one day when Jesus returns, no more sin, no more Satan will be delivered from the presence of sin and from the presence of Satan. And man, I am thankful for that. Fifth thing is there'll be no more separation. This passage says we will be together, caught up together with them in the clouds. The person closest to me that I have on the other side is, is my dad. He was my, my best friend. He was my mentor. He's my hero. And what if Jesus returns today? I'll get to see dad. <laughs> there'll be no more separation. I think about there's many in this room who have a husband or a wife on that other side. What if Jesus returned today? There'd be no more separation. My mom, my mom says she'll just hug dad's picture for a couple hours. You know why? Because she misses him. But guess what? If Jesus returned today, never be separated again. Can you say amen? Never. Hey, husband or wife, if your spouse is on the other side, let me tell you something. What you had on this side will not compare to the relationship you had over there. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know it'll be greater than what we ever experienced here. Man, I know heaven is beyond anything we can imagine. And so there'll be no more separation. And then the last thing is there'll be no more sharing. That's the sad part. If Jesus was returned today, we will have no more opportunity to share the gospel with those in our lives. We'll have no more opportunity to talk to our loved ones or to the people we go to school with or our neighbors or our co-workers. There'll be no more opportunity for us to talk with them. There'll be no more sharing. You know, the difference in the return of Christ, his rapture and death. When we die, we can keep on sharing even after our death. How do you do that? Your testimony lives on. The people you led to Christ and influenced for Christ, their ministry continues on. Even in your giving. Do you know, some of you ought to consider some legacy giving. You leave stuff for your kids and your grandkids, but what about leaving it for the work of Christ? What if you left 10% to say, in my will, I want to have a legacy part of my giving, 10%. My kids and grandkids, 90 is enough for them. I'm going to give 10% for the work of the ministry. And that's going to keep on giving even after I'm gone. 
Maybe it's to Ridgeview. Maybe it's to the International Mission Board. Maybe it's to, to, to Upward Soccer, to the food pantry. Just think about giving and continuing to give. And so one of these days when Jesus comes back, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more sin, no more Satan, no more separation, and no more sharing. So now let's think about how should we respond. How do we respond to this question? What if Jesus returns today? What kind of people should we be? What's the type of people that we should be? Well, we look first of all as five things, five responses. The first one, go back to our Revelation 16 passage. He said, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches. The first thing that we should respond is we should be watching we should be ready and we should be conscious daily. Is this the day Jesus is going to return? We should be watching. We should be expecting that this could be the day. It should always be before us. It should always be something that we're expecting. I've told you before, Jen and I, every night we pray. And we'll close our prayer with, Jesus, if you return tonight, we'll be thankful. If you don't help us be faithful. Now, that's just not some repetitive words. That's to keep our mind on the truth that we're watching, that we're expecting this could be the moment. Mondays at our house are a pretty busy evening. I have a, I'm part of a D group. I love my group of guys I'm with. And Jen teaches an exercise class, a ladies exercise class on Mondays. And so our, our Monday nights are pretty busy. And so I usually get home just a few minutes before her. And I get to observe our dog, Gus, waiting for Jen to get home. And so I'll get home. Jen will have something that usually goes in the oven. And I'll put it in the oven. And then I'll sit there. And here's what Gus does. For the next few minutes, every time a car comes up Hawkins County or turns on Birch Street, he runs to the door, wagging his tail, looking out the door for his master. Because if you know Gus, that's Jen's dog more than mine, okay? And so he's there waving, looking, and I'll have to get up, go over there and say, look out the window, Gus, it's not mama, come on back. And we'll go back and he'll get back up on the couch and look out the back door and, and then he'll run to the door. We do that several times, several times. And, and what usually happens is Gus knows she's coming home. He knows she's coming and he is watching for her. Me, I know ladies like to talk, okay? And I know she's not always going to be home at the same time. And so I get in the recliner, turn on the ball game. Gus, she ain't here yet. Here's what happens sometimes, though. Jen will come to the door. Gus is there waving his tail, and I'm on the recliner. <laughs> I'm not there to help carry in her bag. I'm not there to greet her. And, and Gus gets a pat on the head and I get, where were you? Where are you? And so I want you to be encouraged today. As we think about watching for Jesus, I want you and me to be more like Gus. We're looking out the door. We know he's coming and we're watching. And we're so excited and our tails are wagging and we're so expectant. Man, he's coming. And don't be like your preacher, sitting in the recliner, <laughs> not even looking. And so the first thing he tells us is as we think about the return of Christ, what if Christ comes today? 
What if he returns today? We should be watching. We're watching. Jesus, we're looking for you. There's a blessing as we're looking for Jesus. And so that's the first thing is that we are to watch. The second thing is that we're to wait. Look in James chapter 5. If you're still in Thessalonians, go toward the back of the Bible just a little bit. You'll see Hebrews and then you'll find James. And if you're on your phones, then you'll just tap it in there. And it's on the screen too. I appreciate all the team up there, Joshua and all of his team. Michael and Jacob and Eli and all the guys who help up there. Man, what a blessing they are. So James chapter 5, he's telling us that we are to wait. Not just watch, but we're to wait. Look at verse 7 through 9. So He's talking here about waiting. He's talking about a farmer. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. A couple things here. The first one is this. Jesus, like a farmer, is delaying his coming... Because he is waiting for more to be saved. That's what Peter says. Think about when Peter and Paul wrote the New Testament. They were expecting Jesus to return then. They were expecting then. The churches here, the letters are being written to. They were expecting Jesus to return then, 2,000 years ago. My dad, early in his ministry, he would preach about the return of Jesus. He was expecting the Lord to return. Here today, we are expecting the Lord to return. I believe... Man, there's so many signs that we're seeing and just seems like everything's coming to, to its time that we believe the Lord is returning. But if he tarries his coming, we're to keep waiting. We're not to become scoffers. We're not to begin to doubt it or to forget about it. We're to continue to wait as a farmer. If you plant a garden, you plant a tomato seed... You don't go out there the next day and expect to get some tomatoes. You have to wait. It takes time. God is at work. He's sending the rain. God is delaying his return so that you can be saved. If you hear lost today, he's delaying it for you so more can come to repentance. And so we're thinking about waiting. I think we need to recognize we need to be a people who are patient, waiting because God in his perfect timing will return when it's time. But I think he takes it a step further. I think he's talking here in this passage about when it comes to people who's done us wrong, we're to wait. The Lord is going to return and he's going to set everything right. I read this week a definition of forgiving. You know, Jesus says, forgive your enemy. We're, we're to forgive our enemies. A definition was this, to forgive our enemies does not mean that we don't want justice. But it does mean to forgive them means we give up our right for vengeance. And we leave that up to God. I think he's saying to us, wait. You don't return evil for evil. Someone's done you wrong. Someone's done your family wrong. You don't return evil for evil. You wait because the judge is coming and he's going to put everything right. Can you say amen to that? 
Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't stand up against injustice. That doesn't mean we shouldn't stand up and protect others. But it does mean we should not be a people who return evil for evil. We are people who wait. We wait on Jesus to bring justice. And for him, he says in the Bible, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. So don't think you have to get your enemy back. There's nothing wrong with wanting justice. But like a farmer, let's wait on God to bring it. And let's not take things into our own hands. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated by injustice or, 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 or just things in this life. One day Jesus is coming and he will put everything right. Third thing, not only should we watch and should we wait, but we should walk. Back to Revelation 16, 15. He says, keep his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. In the song that we sang, it says, dressed in his righteousness. The first thing we need to recognize when it says he keeps his garments is that we as believers are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. That's why we can enter into heaven. That's why we're accepted by God because the righteousness of Jesus. When I, as a young, as a youngin, when I confessed my sin and asked Jesus to forgive me, I was clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Now God will hear my prayer. Now he will accept me. Now I'm the beloved. Why? Because the righteousness of Jesus. I'm been garment. I'm in the, in the wonderful robe of his righteousness. That's what saves us is Jesus and his righteousness. But he says here, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Remember Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God, they recognized they were naked and they tried to cover up their nakedness with fig leaves. So what this is saying is when Jesus returns, we want to be found clothed in the righteousness of Jesus then we will be welcome into his presence. If you're here today or listening online and you're trying to clothe yourself with good works, you're trying to clothe yourself with your baptism or how much money you give or because you keep the Ten Commandments or because you're a good person, if that's the clothes you're wearing when Jesus returns, you will not be accepted. You will be naked in his eyes and your sin will still be unpaid for and still have to have the wrath of God upon it. But those of us who are believers, Jesus paid for our sin on the cross. Now we're, we're robed and we got the garment of his righteousness and he returns. He welcomes us home. What if Jesus returned today? What are you wearing? Are you in the righteousness of Jesus? Or are you wearing your... Your good works. Isaiah says our good works are as what? Filthy rags. What are you going to be wearing when Jesus returns? If you're not wearing the righteousness of Jesus, if you've not confessed Jesus as your Lord and confessed your sins and repented, you can do that today. And receive a new garment. The righteousness of Jesus. Not only think about our garments when we walk, but also how we're living. Look in 2 Peter. So if you're in James... Just go a little further back. 2 Peter chapter 3. This whole chapter, chapter 3, is about the return of Christ. Some about his second coming. Some about the, the rapture. But mainly, I want us to focus on what type of people we should be because of his return. Look in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with vervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. 
God's going to put everything right at his second coming. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? We should be Christ-like, be like God. Verse 16, be holy like him. Verse 12, looking at for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with vervent heat. Again, he says, looking for. We're to be looking. Verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look. Again, we're to be watching and waiting. Look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. And then verse 14, therefore... Beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. If Jesus was to return today, how would you be found? Holy conduct, Christ likeness, living in peace without spot, blameless. How would he find you? How would he find me. How are we walking? Are we walking in the spirit? Are we walking in the flesh? How are we living our lives? Here's what I want to encourage you with. Today's a brand new day. The enemy's going to try to get you to live in regrets and your failures. But God says to us today, today's a brand new day. How about a, a renewal and a recommitment to live for Christ? That I will be found by him without spot and blameless. During World War II, it became known, and you're familiar with the phrase, Dear John Letter. I don't know why they take my name and use it in so many ways. <laughs> what do they call a porta potty? A John. Why is that? I don't understand that. But anyway, that's another, that's a whole other issue. Dear John Letter. They were called Dear John Letters because between 1880 and 1923, the most popular name during those years was John. So during World War II, there was a lot of soldiers who received Dear John letters. To our young people, what Dear John letter means was there were wives and girlfriends who, because their husbands or their boyfriend was overseas and gone for so long, maybe they weren't even sure if they would make it back. They wrote a, John, a Dear John letter, and it pretty much said, I've found somebody else. I'm going to marry somebody else. I'm, I've got a new boyfriend. And so dear John became known as I'm breaking it off with you and I found somebody else. I want you to, it just came to my mind. I, I wonder for us, we're waiting for our groom to come, the bridegroom. That's Jesus. We're his bride. I wonder how many Christians have wrote Jesus a Dear John letter to say, Jesus, you ain't returned, so I fell in love with another, and that's this old world. That's the things of this old world. If you've wrote Jesus a Dear John letter, it's time to write him a new letter and say, afresh and anew. I am waiting and I am watching and I am walking in a way that brings you glory and I will live for you and I will be faithful to you. Two more things real quickly. Responses, we should be working. We should work. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Hey church, there's an urgency for us to be working for the Lord. 
Growing up on a farm, you would hear, I'd hear my papa say, we got to make hay while the sun is out. We got to work while it's day. Hey, church, the time is coming near. Jesus is returning. There'll be a time when the night comes and there'll be no more time to work. But we've got time now. It's urgent. We got to serve Jesus. We got to share Jesus, making disciples, making a difference. Now's the time. We got to get at it, roll up our sleeves and get to work because he's coming back. And when he returns, there'll be no more time to work. There'll be no more time of sharing the, the gospel. Our time will be done. It's an exciting time to be part of Ridgeview right now. God is moving among his people. And man, there's a place for you to come and to work with us. And the last thing is wake. Notice I did not say woke. I said wake. Okay. Mark chapter 13. And this will close us out. And I, I apologize. I've went a little long today. I don't apologize. I just I try my best to be time sensitive because I know some of you are with diabetes and some things. You're on a time schedule, so I really try to be sensitive to that. Look in chapter 13, verse 32 through 37, and this will conclude us. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Jesus went to a far country. He went to our home in heaven, preparing a place for us. And he leaves us. He, he leaves us to be about and giving us authority to do his work, the great commission. And we're to be watching. Verse 35, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Hey church, it's time for us to get out of the recliner because the master's coming home. It's time for us to not be sleeping. Satan tries to lull us to sleep. I remember when Andy was a baby, man, we would rock her to sleep. That's what Satan's done to the church. He's just lulled us to sleep. Hey, wake up, church. Hey, wake up. Hell's real. People are going there. If we don't share the gospel, Jesus is coming again. We need to be living for him, serving him. We need to wake up. There's no time to be sitting in the spiritual recliner. It's a new day. Let us get up. Winston Churchill planned his funeral. Before he died, he wanted a bugler to play. It was in the dome of the St. Paul's to play taps after the benediction. As soon as they played taps, surprised everybody because what he had set up was that he wanted, after the taps were finished, another bugler played on the other side of the great dome, played the notes of Reveille. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up in the morning. When Jesus returns... Spiritually, we can play taps. It's over. It's done. It's the end of the day. But right now, one day there'll be that trumpet and we'll go home. But right now there's a different trumpet. It's a reveille and it's saying, it's time to get up, church. It's time to wake up. It's time to live for the Lord. It's time to, to set him as a priority in our life. It's, it's time. It's time to get up. If you're here and you're lost today, it's a season of grace. God extends arms inviting you, whosoever will come. One day it'll be a season of judgment. Would you respond today in faith and be saved? For us as believers, we're called to watch, wait, walk, 
work, and wake. Think of the prodigal son. The father was watching for him to return. Jesus is watching today for you to return. To repent, it's a brand new day, and to live for him. Would you stand with me for prayer? Lord, I love talking about your return. I I love the, the thought being set free from this old world and all the sorrow and all the suffering and all the pain that we see in people and Lord I, I miss dad and think about other people and Lord it's, it's good to talk about going home but Lord let us not be so heavenly, heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good Lord help us that we will recognize we need to watch just like Gus does watch for his master but oh we need to be working We need to be a people who are waking up and serving and making disciples and making a difference and living for you. Let us be found walking faithfully when you return. It's a brand new day. Lord, encourage us. Brand new day to start. For those who are lost, may you draw them to you and that they would be saved. Take the invitation and use it for your purpose, we pray in the name of Jesus.